Hello, everybody. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy, Danny Small, and a special guest to join us here on the Nick State of Mind podcast here in the first segment, uh, Jeffrey Campbell. Jeffrey, thank you for joining us. We're, we're thrilled to have you on the Nick State of Mind podcast with us. Thrilled to be here, guys. Uh, definitely excited to talk some some Knicks as we get towards the end of preseason and uh, head into the early part of the regular season. Absolutely. And just to give you guys a rundown, this is going to be one of our bigger shows, kind of like what we had last year was one of our bigger shows. This is going to be the prediction show for the uh, entire NBA season. We'll start off talking a little bit about the Knicks. Um, you know, that's where we'll start this segment. We'll talk a little bit about the Nets, the, the cross you know, river rival. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about them. Uh, and then in the final segment will be an actual national uh, league discussion. There we'll pick our, our playoff seedings for both the Eastern conference and Western conference. We'll talk maybe a little bit about MVP, some of those award stuff. So plenty going on here on this show. Uh, but let's, let's jump in. Let's focus on the big thing here, which are the New York Knicks. Jeffrey, starting with you, Share some of your expectations that you have for this Nick team this season. Yeah, um, it's going to be very exciting. There's a lot up in the air, uh, especially when you you come from an offseason where you've added nine new players uh, via free agency. Um, obviously, the draft picks as well. It's it's all about player development. You know, it's it's one of the biggest buzzwords in the NBA. Uh, with the Knicks, it's it's either going to be the reason that this regime um, succeeds or fails. So you're obviously looking at how you know top three pick RJ Barrett, um, you know starts to develop how he does during his rookie year. Mitchell Robinson taking the next step. Uh, does Dennis Smith Jr. become a serviceable point guard? Does he develop a jump shot? Things of that nature. Um, you know. First and foremost, it's it's player development, and also what type of steps does Coach Fizdale take? You know, we've heard some rumors about him expanding the offense, not wanting to throw too much at his young guys during the first year. So we've heard that things are going to be a little bit more developed, a little a little bit more off-ball screening, things of that nature. So those are um, some of the the two top things that I'm looking for. You know, in addition to minutes distribution with uh, some of the new faces on the team. Chip, now do you same thing. What are, what are some of the things that you're going to be looking for, some of your expectations that you have for this team this year? Expectations that I have, the main one is that they get better, basically. They signed a lot of veterans. They spent all their money on the front court. A guy who it's been written about, many times over Julius Randle, how they expect him pretty much to be the number one option. So they brought in winners. They brought in Marcus Morris. They brought in Taj Gibson. Both those guys have done a lot of winning. Uh, Julius Randle averaged 21, 22 points a game last year, whatever it was. He looks like he's going to be a number one option. Bobby Portis, uh, jury's out on him, I guess. It, you go to Nick's Twitter, some people feel like Alfred Payton should be beheaded because he had a couple bad preseason games. I've never been high on him, but the Knicks signed him because they want him in the starting point guard race. So the Knicks had an offseason where it looks like they're leaning towards not tanking. So And, oh, Wayne Ellington, too. Sorry, Wayne Ellington. Forgot about Wayne Ellington. 
Um, so I expect if the Knicks want to uh, stick to the plan, that is to get better. I mean, they won 17 games last year, right? So I expect at, at least 25, uh, close to 30. Uh, anything less than 25, I think, would be a serious failure, like a real failure. And I think the the average fan, if they even if they like won thirty or something, probably would be still disappointed. But I think if they won thirty, that would be a, a successful year. So I would hope for thirty. But uh, I think if they do, if they win ten more games, and if they win like twenty seven games, ten more than last year or whatever, uh, I th- I'd be thrilled with that. But I'm expecting more like a twenty five win season, something like that, because. I never, I never expect things to go well <laughs> with the Knicks. So I'm just expecting something to go poorly and uh, Marcus Morris to end up being traded for some reason and Alfred Payton to end up sucking like he looks, he sucks right now. And uh, them to not pick up Frank Nielakina's option because all the fans want them to. So. All right, Daddy, now <laughs> your thoughts come in. All right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I love I love the energy from Chet. It's somewhat <laughs> negative energy, but you know you can you can understand it after so many years. All right, so I really like Jeff's point about Fisdale too, because I think year two for him, he's got to take some steps forward. I think he's gonna have it, it's not gonna be the same old where the Knicks are gonna fire their coach mid season year two, not give him a chance, and just you know cut bait early. I don't think that's necessarily gonna be the case. I think he's gonna have this full year plus to figure it out but you want to see some steps forward from him so i i, I definitely think fizdale is going to be a big storyline but for me and this kind of ties into what chip was saying too um with who's going to be that that star to kind of take over because they traded away chris Stapps porzingis last year who's you know i know there's a lot of injury concerns things like that but he you know he was a potential all nba player you know the kind of guy who could lift you into the playoffs you add pieces around him, see what happens. They traded him away, and now they didn't get anyone. They didn't get Kyrie. They didn't get Kevin Durant. They didn't get that true superstar. You got to figure out who that guy is going to be. And I think, uh, for me at least, I, I like Randall as the number one option this year just because he's the most experienced kind of of the group who can do it. But it's all, I think for a big part of the season, it'll be about R.J. Barrett, how he looks, because he – you know, he, he sounds the part. He's great with the media. He's, you know, always, like, good with the fans. Like, oh, I'll block Porzingis. I'll do this. I'll do that. <laughs> Seems like Barrett wants the stage, and he wants to be great in New York. But we got to see it on the floor. And I think just his progression is going to be the biggest thing for me this year of whether or not they're going to be, you know, a team that can kind of, like, get to the next level in these next couple of years. Because, I mean, you know, 2020 free agency, I know they have cap space, but there's no one really there. 2021, I mean, you know, then there's so many things that need to fall into place for you to get a guy like that. I think they need to find their next star, and it could be Barrett. But we'll see. I'm, I'm just – I'm excited to watch him this year for sure. I think for me, you know, last year at this point, we, we, we knew the Knicks were not going to be any good. I mean, you, you know – Brzingis was out. He was going to be out. There was just no, there was nobody on this roster that you knew this team was going to be competitive. And at this point last year, I kind of accepted the fact that 
the Knicks just got a tank, right? I mean, there's just nothing to play for. They're not going to be competitive. So all last year, as hard as it is from the competitive standpoint that you want your team to win, you want your team to be competitive, it just made a whole lot of sense to tank. At this point this year, I expect this team to be competitive. They have depth. They have guys that are, I think, on the ups. You know, Randall, um, you know, guys that uh, even even Bobby Portis, um, that still young enough to see where he kind of goes. You know, you have uh, Morris. You have have these guys that can play the game and can put up some strong numbers, and then you mix it in with some of these young guys that we got. You know, it's going to be interesting to see year two how Kevin Knox looks. Um, you know, the start of his season last year wasn't great, but then he had that bounce back for a couple of months where he was playing well and then finished off the year so-so as well. Um, you know, you, you see how R.J. Barrett, um, you know, looks in his rookie year. That That's a big thing. I, I just really expect this team to just be more competitive. Uh, Chip, you know, you, you said you would like them to win about 10 more games than they did last year. I think that's, that's fair. And... and I think for me, I want to see this team competitive and maybe even competing for a playoff spot. It might be the AC, whatever. But I want to see them competing for that spot in February and in, in March. You know what I mean? At the end of the season to have a chance. I don't know if they get there, but I want to see them at least in that conversation. And I think this team is – I think it is talent enough to, to hang around that mark. I, I absolutely do. I do like the depth that they have here. Um, so, you know, I just don't think, you know, we're going to see that dreadful, boring season as we did last year where we were down by 25 every single night. Um, I do expect this team to be better. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing how Fisdale works this rotation. That's going to be a big thing. I know we talked about that a few weeks ago on the show. You know, all the options that he has, it's going to be interesting to see who's in the rotation, who's out of the rotation. I mean, there, there's so many uh, options for him to kind of go to. Uh, position battles. Um, of course, everybody knows that my eyes are going to be on Frank Nielakina in year three. I think it's a big year for him. Uh, just, you know, I'm not going to keep repeating myself of what we talked about last week with them. Everybody knows where I stand, what I want to see from Frank. Um, and I think everybody can kind of agree at this point that it's great that he's looking to take more shots, but I need him to make more shots. I'm not asking him to be a 20 point you know, guy a game. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking for, you know, to shoot around 45 to 50% from the field, then I'll shut up. I'll take it. You know, um, th- things like that is kind of what I'm looking for. So, you know, with that being said, uh, what's, you know, Je- Jeffrey, I know you can kind of give us a little bit more with your prediction here because uh, we're going to see where they stack up in uh, the Eastern Conference in our last segment. But what we're going to do now is share a win total that we think they're going to get. But, Jeffrey, you can tell us where you think they'll end up in the Eastern Conference um, because uh, you're doing this first segment with us. You won't finish the show. So, um, you know, where do you see this Nick team finishing in the standings? How many wins do you see them have and why? Yeah, I um, – you know, my, my, my range is similar to Chip's in the sense that I think at the end of the day – uh, 27 through 32. That's that's my rational kind of uh, range, and I, I would say 27 wins. Um, that's that's kind of my number where I feel like it'll end up. 
Um, I remember over the summer, I think it was Danny that had written an article where he included, you know, the, the most uh, increases in terms of win total uh, from teams, you know, from the previous season. And I think the highest increase was like 13 or 14 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it was from teams that had previously missed the playoffs or something like that. So, but it, the, the point is it, it really just goes to show you how difficult it is to really increase your win total, especially when you consider the fact that there are so many new faces on the roster. There could be some trades that go down. Everything is very fluid with the team. Everything is very fluid with the roster. Um, so, you know, 20, 27 wins is, is my number. Um, but you know, another thought I just had real quick, not to, not to, uh, go too far off topic, but, and obviously I would love for this to be a problem that we have, but one thing I was just talking and thinking about as we were talking about, um, you know, win totals, like, do we have faith in the front office? Let's say, you know, the unthinkable happens and we win, you know, 35 plus games or something like that. Um, do we have faith in the front office to, that they maybe wouldn't throw money or give a kind of ridiculous contract out to one of the guys that are on the roster that maybe helped us get there? Um, and maybe do they, do they, you know, somehow sacrifice cap flexibility and, or maybe they say that, you know, this, this guy's part of the culture. We want him here for the future. Um, you know, it's just something that I was kind of thinking of and, it's obviously more along the lines of uh, errors in the past that have been made, but something that I could maybe see the front office considering, um, obviously it depends on who the person is, but you know, it could be something that kind of jams you up going forward. Well, that's a great question, dude. Like, cause Steve Mills hasn't proven anything, right? Always like, there's so many question marks around him. So many people have said so many things about him being shady. Right. There's the fact that he's close with James Dolan. Uh, you want to think the best of Scott Perry because he has a long reputation and a lot of success. He was with the Pistons when they won the finals with the Chauncey Billups, uh, Ben Wallace team. Uh, but he is uh, inevitably serving under Steve Mills. Steve Mills is his boss. So it's, it is a difficult question because can we really trust Steve Mills if he is the one who's supervising all of these decisions? I would say no to that. But I think we can trust Scott Perry on not to go crazy with Marcus Morris at the end of the year. Because I think – I, I might be wrong, but I've always said, like, I think the Marcus Morris contract, I think that was a contract that was signed to be traded. Like, it's such a tradable deal, $15 million, and so, someone may just trade for him just to get him off their books at the end of the year. He's such a perfect – because he's going to play hard in a contract year to try and get another big deal. I don't see any of these guys getting paid at the end of the year. I think they'll all walk. And I think their sights really are – set on Giannis. I think they really do just want to go uh, go back in on 2021. So, I mean, I hope I hope that's what it is. <laughs> anyway. You know, I think it's a, a good question, but I do think uh, that they won't buy into it. And, and the reason why I say that, and I, and I guess it's, 
it's I hope they don't do something like that, is they showed a little bit of restraint in this offseason when they didn't get the big name free agents. Again, kind of what we've been talking about in the past, they panic, and they go out and give a max contract to somebody like DeMarcus Cousins, thinking that's going to save the day. Some, some kind of move like that, that would have obviously been a complete disaster. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I have a little hope that they don't do something like that. But, uh, Jeffrey, to kind of finish up here, with you, you have uh, you have them around 25, 30 wins around there. But if you had to give their best win total, if you said this at best, this is how many wins they're going to have, and at worst, the amount of losses that they could have. Or let me let me re- uh, fix that question here. Uh, what is the least amount of wins that you see them having, and what is the the most? What, what's the worst and the best? I think. First, I think worst-case scenario, if uh, some of the guys are, are traded away, if P, if the front office gets to the point where this team is not progressing, um, we were able to get some picks out of the deal, I think at worst this team, I mean, it would be 22 wins. I mean, if they if they finish below that, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what to say. But um, – Best case scenario, I I don't know. It, it would be hard for me to see this team finishing above 35 wins. I think if everything really, really goes right, um, players develop um, and get minutes and the veterans on the team are helping them and also filling in as well. It would be hard. It would still be hard for me to see this team winning above 35 wins and um just because also the, the point guard position is is still so very much like in flux. But, yeah, I would say 22 is, is my doomsday, you know, uh, worst-case scenario. And, and 35, you know, we'd be throwing a party for that probably. Absolutely. And now, uh, Danny, to get your thoughts on how many wins you think the Knicks are going to be at, give us a number that you feel this team would be out. And also, same thing, what is – what is the um, most you see them doing and the best you see them doing? Yeah, I mean, I want to. I, I think like thirty-five. I think that's like a like a good high water mark that Jeff is kind of setting there. I think if they get to that, that you'd be like, fans should be over the moon with that. I have them at twenty-six and fifty-six as my official prediction right now. Because I, I mean, I still don't think they're going to be good. I think it's going to be tough to develop continuity early. They got so many new pieces, a lot of young guys. I think there's just going to be some issues that they have to work through. But I think last year, there was about like two and a half months where they were just horrendous, awful. All, like the one of the worst NBA teams you'll ever see, ever. And they were just non-competitive for so long last season. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think they're going to lose some games. They're, they're going to have some tough luck as the year goes on. But I don't think they're just going to be completely non-competitive where you can go, you know, like two or three weeks without even like a sniffing win. Because last year was just brutal during that kind of, you know, that malaise of in, you know, once you once you pass um, once you pass Christmas and you're in those January, February games. It, I don't I don't see that them having their big issues with those months anymore. I think they'll be at least competitive, but. I don't see him having much more than 26, 27, 28 wins this year. Chip, same thing. Give us your win total. Uh, what's the worst and the best? 
26 is a good one. I was going to say uh, 27. So that's my that's my realistic total uh, is 27. Yeah. Um, I think my worst, I would say, is probably 20. I think I'd be shocked if they won fewer than 20 games after adding so many better players than they had last year. Like Danny mentioned, they look like one of the worst NBA teams in history last year. Their roster is so much better this year than it was last year. But at best, I think, Jeff, did you say 33? What would you say? I think I said 35 would be like. 35? Yeah. Yeah, that area like that, like 33, I'd say. 35, something like that. I'll say 33. Like, I, I just don't see them sniffing the playoffs. But maybe they'll sniff around the eight seed for a little while and. Mark Berman will write a story about it, and then he'll write another story when they go on a horrible losing streak about how it's someone's fault. And then, you know, (laughs) but they may make like an interesting run because like uh, someone gets hot, like hopefully RJ Barrett gets hot or something. But I don't think they have enough talent to get to the playoffs, but I think they could just said 35 wins. I think they could win 35 games if Mitch takes another step and. Knox takes another step. Dennis Smith. A lot of things have to go right. Right. But they could. You know, I, I think with me, I think I have around 29, 30 wins. I think at best around 33. I, I just don't see 35. I think at worst, somewhere under 25. Um, you know, I, I kind of see – and I know it's the first preseason game I go back to, but I kind of talked about this last week, is it's a team that still has to figure out how to win. You know, down the stretch, tight games, how to execute. And because of that, I see them being in a lot of tight, close games because this team is going to be more competitive. I just think it's going to take time for these young players to learn how to close out the games. I understand there's some veteran guys in there that can help out with that. But still, I think that these young guys are not quite there yet. There is going to be a lot of losses from games that the Knicks should have won. And, and because of that, I think that hurts their win total a little bit. You know, winning it really is a process. I, I, I think the Knicks are going to lose a lot of heartbreaking games this year. They're going to be there. They're going to have opportunities to win those games. But I think at times the execution down the stretch will hurt them from the inexperience, having these young players – and it's just a learning process. Eventually, I think these tight games that we lose can translate into some wins. But for this season, I don't think that's quite going to be the case. I think the Knicks are going to lose a lot of close games this year. And that's why I think 28, 29, 30 wins is a pretty fair number from what they have. Because they certainly are more talented. Um, but with that being said, we are going to jump to a break. Again, we want to thank uh, Jeffrey Campbell for joining us. This segment, we really do appreciate your time, Jeffrey. Definitely appreciate you guys as well. Always a pleasure talking with you guys too. All right, we're going to take All a right. break. When we come back, we're going to have Matt Brooks join us, and we're going to bring in the Knicks and uh, the Knicks and the Nets. Uh, I tried to combine them there. I don't know if you guys heard that. There was a little bit of mix. How and could Nets. you do that? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I think I just made it like like that was like the worst sin I ever had right there. I tried Jesus. to combine. Right, right, Matt. 
Wow, Jeff, did, Jeff that. did that. Jeff did that in a in a really good three part series article. Yeah, when when Matt Jeff just did it, it, it was... a little plug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that. <laughs> so we'll we'll bring in the Knicks and the Nets in the next segment. Uh, looking at that rivalry a little bit here, and then a little bit how how the Nets are going to do this season. So that's coming up next year on the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Welcome back into the Nick State of Mind podcast. Now joining us is Matt Brooks uh, from Elite Sports. Does a podcast with Danny Small. Danny does like everything, right? Podcast. <laughs> Did you ever sleep, Danny? Uh, I I try to sometimes, but you try yeah. to, huh? Yeah, well, nice. sometimes here and there. <laughs> uh, but Matt, we appreciate you joining us and uh, giving us a little bit of a Brooklyn Nets perspective here. I know. Uh, I will. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, I uh, this actually feels right at home. Usually on even on our, our Brooklyn Nets podcast, I'm usually outnumbered by Knicks guys, so this really isn't too different. <laughs> That's but, just New uh, York City, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it happens. You know, you're kind of you're sort of uh, you're not playing the odds well to be covering the, the Nets to put it that way, but. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to go through my predictions. I think my takes, for lack of a better word, have changed a lot as the summer has progressed, as things have kind of developed, and as uh, that team has gone through certain controversies and added certain players. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here today. All right, so let's jump right into it, Matt. This is kind of you leading kind of this segment for us. Uh you know, tell us a little bit about how you see the Nets doing this year. Give us your complete prediction on them. What What's their win total? Where they're going to be in the standings? Uh, if they're in the playoffs, how far in the playoffs do you have them going? Ooh, all right, that's a loaded question. Ball is in my court. Uh, first off, I think what the best way to look at this is look at their schedule. Their schedule is pretty light early on. They really only have two tough stretches. I believe one is in December. Um, and then there's one where they go on this West Coast trip and basically take a trip down the Pacific Division, which um, is not something I'd want to do. Even the Suns look halfway decent. So uh, that's that's pretty much their schedule. They have one of the easier schedules in the NBA versus what they had last year, which was really tough in the second half of the season. Um, in terms of what to expect with this team, I hate to overreact to two games that were in a completely different time zone against a team that's probably going to take a really to- really long time to, to come together, the Lakers. But um, this Nets team is a lot deeper than I thought they would be. They're a lot more disciplined on defense. They're still you know, making mistakes with rotations and stuff like that, which is going to happen with a, a team that brings in you know, basically eight new guys. But um they're disciplined they have a lot of the right veteran talents um it's a lot of guys that play well together me and danny have talked about this on our podcast they're going to shoot a lot of three-pointers and they're going to make much more of them they've made 40 percent of their three-pointers i know three-game sample blah 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 they're still making a lot of these damn threes which is way different than previous years really this is the first year that they have uh bona fide snipers on this team um in terms of what to expect I mean, the biggest thing for them is going to be health. Uh, and that really comes down to, we're not probably going to see Kevin Durant this year, but it comes down to what that backcourt's looking like. How much are we going to get Kyrie Irving out there? Is this going to be a 60, 70, you know, maybe even mid-70s, high-70s type of season from him? Or is this going to be 50 games? Is that what we're going to get from him? 
What's Karis LeVert going to do? He's looked really good so far. Um, there's been jumps in his playmaking. His defense, it seems like he's starting to get a little more comfortable. What are we getting from him? Is he is that that third star for them? Um, those are big questions that I think need to get answered right away. Uh, and I think it'll, I mean, using injuries is, I feel like, kind of a cop-out with a team, but it's probably their biggest Achilles heel uh, it, just for the season, essentially. Um but in terms of actual predictions, I have them, I originally had them, I think, around 44 wins. I'm feeling a little more optimistic. I could see them winning 47, 48, uh, maybe being like a four or a five seed. Uh, I, I definitely think they're a little bit better than maybe some of the other teams that I was looking at. Um, I think that the Pacers are going to be a little bit worse than what I thought predict uh, originally, just because of the reports about Oladipo. We have no idea really when he's going to come back. Same thing with Paul George. So that's where I'm at with them. I see them as probably a, I mean, it really depends who they're going to play in that four seed. If they play like somebody like the Miami Heat, I guess that would be a toss up in a series. It really depends on, I guess, the raw, the, the opponent that they're playing, but at best they're a second round bounce to me. So, but I think it'll be a good season. I mean, if they get Kevin Durant back and they get really anything from him and if they can just build synergy with this group and basically figure out guys hey, next summer, whether that be Joe Harris, who they have the option to extend, and um, and Taurine Prince, who's going to be a restricted free agent, I think those are the big questions that they answer this year. And that's going to make this season worth it if they figure out, okay, this is what our team's going to look like for the next couple of years as we have these guys, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, on these three-plus-one deals. So yeah, Matt, it, it, with with uh, Kyrie, you know, last season seemed like he was not the best fit in that, that Celtics locker room. A lot of problems. Uh, do you view that possibly being a problem with Brooklyn, or do you look at it as more as he never really wanted to be a Celtic and, and he chose Brooklyn for a reason? So therefore, that's not going to be the case. How comfortable are you with Kyrie being a leader on this team? I mean, that's a million-dollar question in a lot of ways, and it's going to be a, a question that I think dictates a lot of how this new era in Brooklyn goes. I can't sit here and tell you. I, it's not something that's crossed my mind. At the same time, the early signs have been really good from him. Um, he acknowledged that he failed as a leader at, uh, during their press day, and um, I I think he's taken the right steps. He's He's led these workouts. He seems like a vocal leader on the team. The guys really seem to vibe with him just based on the statements that you got from pretty much, you know, every guy at media day. And, you know, again, these are just guys talking. It really will come down to when this team's on a five game skid and they've lost to the Orlando magic two out of, you know, two of the last three games or somebody like that. Whoa, <laughs> you know whoa, what I mean? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> We're big magic guys here. Hey, oh, me too. Just, we've, 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 hey, I think yeah. <laughs> Colin no, somewhere just... hit, uh, pumping his fist right now. Like, yeah. Hate the magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump in for a second on that Kyrie question because, again, like Matt said, that's the million dollar question. I mean, he failed in Boston, but I think a big part of at least Brooklyn and the hope is that you know he's coming home. He he obviously is a Jersey guy, so he's coming back. You know, around his family and everything like that. He's entering a situation he wants to be in. I mean, Kyrie's kind of nuts. We all know that. Like, I mean, yeah. he. Half the time when he talks, you have no idea what he's talking about. But when he's on the basketball court and he's playing to like the top, top of his game, he's unbelievable to watch. And he's just he's like a transcendent player. 
a potential, you know, first team all NBA guy when all things are clicking for him. So, I mean, me personally, I tend to just think all this stuff off the court will settle itself eventually. And I think Kyrie's going to have a really big year. And that's kind of why I'm, I'm high on the Nets going into this year. Um, I've, I've messed around with my predictions like a million times already, like tinkering here and there. But I think, like, like Matt said, I think second round bounce is a good, a good kind of um, expectation to set for them. Because if they make it that far, it's like, all right, you see, you know, that's an improvement based on last year. Plus, you have Kevin Durant coming back. It's like that could springboard you into, you know, the next stage of where the Nets want to be. But like Matt Castillo, like you said, Kyrie and how he leads his team, that's that's going to be that's going to be one of the biggest storylines of the year. Absolutely. And then Matt as well. Uh, You talked about it, about eight new players on this team this year. How long do you think it will be for this team to fully start to click? And obviously there's no KD right now, uh, but for the guys that will be on the floor, how long do you think that this team is going to take to kind of mold together before we see Brooklyn start to take off this season? I I think they're already clicking, to be honest with you. Um, it's It's a good group of guys in that they all kind of fit Kenny's system perfectly in a lot of ways. Um, offensively, they're they're mostly used as spot-up options. There's a couple guys that can take guys off the drive. Um, and really, like, what's the difference? So let's take Boston and the Nets this year. So Boston, you had all these guys. You had Kyrie Irving and, and Al Horford using sort of a pick-and-pop. I mean, they didn't do as much pick-and-roll as the Nets like to use, but... You were putting these young guys, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, essentially in spot-up situations when Kyrie had the ball. That's not what they want to do. These guys haven't earned any major money. They're guys that, especially with Jason Tatum, can take guys off the dribble and sort of launch mid-range shots, I guess, in his case. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, with the Nets, it's like you're putting Joe Harris, you're putting Toreen Prince. I don't think Toreen Prince wants to dribble more than five times this season. I'm going to be honest, like it, based on what I've seen, he just wants to sit there, catch and shoot every single time. Joe Harris, you know, he's got the ability to, if, if a guy bites on his pump fake, he can get to the rim and he's crafty with that. But again, this is not a guy that wants to create his own offense. So when you put these guys and you bring in Garrett Temple, eventually Wilson Chandler, it's a smart group of guys that I think do exactly what the coach is going to want them to do because it's what they want to do on the basketball court, if that makes sense defensively, I mean, there's just more one-on-one defenders. Um, Touring Prince, I thought, did a really commendable job against Davis. Uh, Garrett Temple is going to be a fan favorite by the end of the year. And uh, overall, I mean, you know, I, I think that the signs are really good so far. And it's, you know, the more these guys play, the better they're going to get it. Really, it, the things I notice is mostly just rotations def- defensively. I think those switches are going to get a little bit cleaner. But I'm impressed so far. And I think now is a good time to kind of look at this rivalry between the Knicks and the Nets. Uh, Last season, it was, well, it was one-sided as Brooklyn won three out of four games. Only win that came for the Knicks, I believe, was on December 29th or something like that. Um, So Brooklyn kind of had their way with the Knicks. Now the big question is this year, who is going to take the series? Or will it even be a split so, Chip, I'll start with you on this one. Between the Knicks and the Nets, how do you see their seasons in, uh, going against each other going? Can the Knicks bounce back and win three out of four at least uh, against Brooklyn this year? Or at least three? Out, 
Well, they could split. I, I guess they're because they don't have one of the uh, least talented rosters in the NBA anymore. So they could split. Yeah, they won but, uh, with the worst roster. So yeah, yeah, I, exactly. So they could split, but uh, I wouldn't bet on them winning the series for sure. I would not bet on that because they'll never have the best player on the floor in any of those games as long as Kyrie Irving is playing. And I would imagine that if they're playing the Knicks, he's not going to want to rest. So I, yeah, I would say that the Knicks would lose that series again. Um, Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say that. Yeah. Three out of four, maybe even four out of four, because the Nets are going to be better this year. I think a lot of people are down on the Nets. I, I saw, uh, I was before we did this show. I was looking at what is it? Uh, ESPN five thirty eight has the Nets uh, thirty nine and forty three, and there's a lot of sites like that who have the Nets finishing like really low in the standings. And I think they're going to finish with even more wins than they had last year. So yeah, I think they'll whoop the Knicks pretty good. But I don't know. This is this is just another year for the Knicks. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> It's another year of sucking, let's be honest. <laughs> well, you you forget, though, that the Knicks um, don't have, uh, what you call it? they don't have their Brooklyn Nets killer, Ennis Cantor, anymore. Cantor <laughs> was like, <laughs> he always dominated the Nets. With, like, he always played well against the Nets. And, I mean, obviously, I'm just making a joke. But I think I have to tend to agree with Chip that I think the Nets, they're going to be one of those teams, they're going to, be kind of fighting for positioning in the Eastern Conference. So they're going to be hunting out wins against teams that they know they can beat. And the Knicks are going to be one of those teams, crosstown rival. I don't think it's going to be a game, you know, where you have the Nets kind of come in flat-footed ever. I think that's, you know, it's always going to be kind of a big a big game for them. So I think if, if my prediction, I think the Nets are going to take three out of four. Uh, I mean, just because one of those games I feel like the Knicks got to, you know, home maybe, you know, get a little juice at the garden or something. Um, but I think the Nets are going to Nets are going to roll over them this year more or less. Uh, I I think I agree with you guys. I think the Knicks win one game against them. I do, I don't think they're going to get swept by Brooklyn and I know Brooklyn is going to be a far better team. I know every Knicks fan right here is going to hate these comments that are being hmm. made, but when you actually put away your feelings, and you actually look at reality, um, you will see that the the Nets and the Knicks roster two different things, two very different things. And you know they'll be competing for something. We'd be lucky if we get like an AC in in the playoffs. I, 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 that's that's the reality. I know Nick fans are screaming at it right now because they don't want to hear it. I do think we get them once though, because like we've been saying, I think the Knicks are going to be a little bit more competitive this year, and I think you you just don't want to get swept by the Brooklyn. you got to take one. And if they took one last year with that roster, I mean, come on. they they got to win one game. If they don't win one game in this series, I'm going to be one pissed off Nick fan. That's all I'm going to say. You better, you just got to win one at least, and, I, and I'll take it. But, Matt, what, how do you see this series uh, between the Knicks breaking down this year in the four games? When do they play first? The 25th, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is it? I have it here. Uh, October 25th, yeah. So I don't know what's going on with Kyrie's face. I have no idea because he re-aggravated it. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I just feel like they're going to lose that game, the Nets. <laughs> I don't know why I just had this feeling they're going to lose it, and it's just just because I think that comedy would just ensue 
And I like a sick part of me kind of wants that for some reason. I'm like, I, I just want the world to burn or something. So, uh, so, but no, I think so. The Nets Knicks, I think, will be kind of an interesting matchup just because it's two really different stylistic teams. Um, the Nets are going to be pretty up tempo, spread offense. I know Fisdale wants to run kind of like a theoretically like a really fast offense, but they have a lot of uh, plotting kind of low post brutes. I haven't really seen them in preseason. Like, how are they running things? Like, what what pace are they kind of playing at? They're, Alfred Payton pushes the pace. I love and, Payton. And Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. likes to run, but he hasn't played yet. Right. But every every single year, the new Knicks coach says that they want to run and push the pace, and then the season starts. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's like that with pretty much every team, but it is like that with the Knicks too. Jeff Hornacek, Jeff Hornacek, when he <laughs> took the Knicks job, wanted to run. And the guy who was in charge told him he had to play the an ancient offense. So it, it, I'll believe it when I see it, that David Fisdale wants to run the whole game. But I don't know. It'd be nice because they, are, they have been getting some easy transition baskets because they have a guy, Randall's what, 6'10", and he can yeah. handle the ball. Mm-hmm. He can handle the ball like a guard. He can lead the fast break himself. But uh, hopefully they keep that going through the regular season. But we'll see. Hmm. Uh, I could, so, oh, go ahead. So I guess I should probably give a prediction. Yeah, I'm with you. Probably like three one in the series, Brooklyn. But I, I just, I don't know. I really feel like they're going to lose that first game. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only good thing I'll say for the Knicks is that, or I don't even know if you consider this a good thing, or whatever. But, but like the pressure's on the Nets. I mean, if the Knicks take they split the series. Knicks fans can be like, oh, you know, they have, they almost have bragging rights over the Nets right there because it's like, you know, we weren't expected to do anything. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's a tall order still. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens eventually, you know, with, uh, like, I, I like, I actually think that's a, I'm thinking about that, that opening loss to, uh, and that, you know, one of those first games, Brooklyn just blows it. They kind of, you know, Kyrie's not playing well or something like that. I could see that happening for sure. Yeah, um, I, it's. I just think it's gonna happen. <laughs> you got you. You now you're giving me that gut feeling now. Oh yeah, <laughs> contagious. What if what if that does happen? How many of you can see an overreacting by Nick fans? Like uh, I every, told you, we're better every, than Brooklyn. Both sides. <laughs> no, every, 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 yeah, both sides would overreact at that <laughs> point. I'd have to. I'm gonna delete like four apps off my phone if that happens. <laughs> It's bounty. It's great. If that happens, I'm telling you, you'll see it everywhere. That I told you, you know, we're better than them still because there's people that are delusional and believe that. So, uh, Nick Twitter and, uh, you know, really Facebook is comical. I, we talk about that all the time with some of the people on there. So, I, I, I kind of want to see that happen because you know everybody's going to say, you know, KD and Kyrie should have came to New York because we're better and this proved it, you know, and, and then they forget that it's an 82 game season. And yeah, during that yeah. length of a season, yeah, Brooklyn's going to be better than us. That's just the way it is, folks. Um, so just get used to it. I know it sucks, but that's just the way it is. Um, we're still the big brother. That are just getting beat up by the little brother right now. That's that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm holding on to. The the little brother is is a lot stronger than us at he, the moment. Yeah, so. the little brother got a growth spurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to find a new way to try to get some things done, I guess. Uh, yeah. But Matt. Like a two-foot growth spurt. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, Matt, we appreciate you joining us for this segment and, and giving us a great insight on the Brooklyn Nets. And I mean, even though the Nets look like, you know, they're, they're, they're not that they look, they are a lot better. Hopefully the series between these two teams can be fun and competitive this year. Uh, but again, we appreciate your time and uh, breaking down the, uh, the Nets for us. Of course, of course. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been fun. All right, so we're going to jump to a break. When we come back, we're going to look at the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference, and give you guys some predictions where we think each team is going to fall. So that's coming up next here on the Knicks State of Mind podcast. All right. <laughs> Boom. Final segment here of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. We are going to talk a little bit about uh, the Eastern Conference standings predictions. Western Conference prediction. We'll give an MVP as well. And then if we have a little bit more to add, any of these awards here, we'll kind of throw it in there uh, with it. So let's jump right into it. And I'll start with you, Danny. Uh, Let's start with the Eastern Conference. Give me your eight teams that you see in the playoffs for the Eastern Conference. All right. I'm going to run it down from top to bottom. I got Milwaukee one seed. I think they'll, they'll run it back. Giannis is that good. Philly two. This is this is where it gets tough for me in the East, but I'm going Indiana three, Miami four, Brooklyn five, Boston six, Toronto seven, and our Orlando Magic eight. <laughs> I, you know, my thing with the East is I I really I really like the like the top half of the Eastern Conference, like those eight teams that I just said. Um. I'm kind of, I'd say I'm probably higher on them than most people would be, but it's just in the that that like middle from two down really because I think Philly, Milwaukee are my top two. They're like a a tier above everybody else, and then everybody down below that. There's just so much that can change between those teams. I think Detroit is going to be on the cusp and around sniffing the playoffs, but I don't think there's going to be a whole like a ton of teams fighting for that eighth spot. Um, I think, I don't know. I think the East is just going to be super competitive in the middle there, that, that three to eight spots. I agree with you. Um, I have a little bit similar to you, uh, but to flip flop the first two, I have the 76ers as a one seed. I have Milwaukee at number two. And then I think, and, and I know, you know, Matt talked about it in the last segment, not really sure about the Pacers and Victor Oladipo, but if he mm. is back, he is healthy. And keep in mind, this team played very well without him last year uh, when he missed all those games. They have a lot of depth. They play very hard. They play very physical. Uh, but if you get a healthy Victor Oladipo back, I, I think this team could be a three team or a three seed in the Eastern Conference. At four, this is where I have the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I have the Celtics at five. At six, I have the Miami Heat. At seven, I have the Orlando Magic. And at eight, I have the Toronto Raptors. So I still have the Raptors in. I think they fall a little bit. I know we kind of talked about this several weeks ago on a podcast where I was saying I'm not sure how good the Raptors are going to be. You know, obviously losing Kawhi Leonard. Um, They're still going to be competitive. Uh, they played very well without Kawhi Leonard when he was out for the 22 games. So, you know, are they going to be able to do that for an 82-game season? We'll see. I just have the Raptors getting in, and I agree with you with uh, Detroit as the team that's kind of right there. And I'm hoping the Knicks will also be right there. I'm not sure if that happens, but I'm going to I'm going to try to be optimistic. 
Um, but as Chip said earlier, it's very hard to be optimistic when it comes to the Knicks because they always find a way to disappoint somehow, some way. Um, but I do think the Knicks can be at least in close to contention as we get deeper into the season. I just don't think they're quite good enough. Uh, so that is my top eight. Yeah, I got the Raptors just getting in, just getting in. So, Chip, what you got? What are your eight? First of all, the level of disrespect to the Toronto Raptors. From I don't YouTube. know. I'm not high on them. <laughs> That's I what I'm, I, I like. I like, and uh, I had them higher like earlier in the summer, I think. And I don't dislike the Raptors, but I think there's just so much. Like there's there's so much that can happen in those middle teams. There's so many decent teams that are kind of around the same, you know, around each other at least. Oh yeah, that that Heat roster is a real threat. Oh my God, they're really. They, kept, they have they have a better player than anyone <laughs> on on the Raptors. Jimmy Butler is better than, if, than uh, anyone I on guess. the Raptors. Is we'll see what Pascal Siakam becomes next year. He's not going to become. He's not going to be better than Jimmy Butler, probably. Maybe, probably. Now I'm just trying to make my point by going to extremes. But look, I'm looking because I spend my day constantly looking at Twitter and DraftKings. I'm looking at the Raptors over under right now on DraftKings, and it's forty six and a half. So I mean, someone showing some respect to the Raptors. Thank God. But as far as my one through eight in the East, I agree with Danny. I have the Bucks and Sixers one and two. And number three, as you can probably tell from my mm-hmm. attitude there, I have the Toronto Raptors. Wow. You have a way yeah. up there. I like it. Interesting. Yes. They did go, in case you didn't hear, guys, they did go 17 and 5 without Kawhi last year. I don't know if you heard that stat or not. 17,000 times last season during the summer after Kawhi left. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm sure it may be repeated once or twice before the season, too. Uh, fourth, I have the Brooklyn Nets. Because, like I said when we were talking to Matt, I think they're going to be better than people think they are, better than people are giving them credit for being. Because there's a lot of Kyrie hate. And uh, Danny, I think you alluded to it. Uh, it might have been this week or an earlier podcast that we did. Like, this is the first time that Kyrie is really choosing his own team. And uh, I think that's really going to benefit him. He's got friends on this team. He didn't really get along with anyone in Boston. And I don't know if it was that he didn't get along with anyone in Cleveland, but he wasn't really close with anyone in Cleveland. He's close with people in Brooklyn. I think that's going to help him. Fifth, I have the Indiana Pacers. I think they're going to be really good. Uh, Oladipo's still hurt, I guess. Uh, Is Christmas really the comeback time? I don't know if it's going to be that late. But uh, even without him, like you said, Matt, they were still good without him. They still have one of the best defenses in the NBA. And when he comes back, they may have the best defensive backcourt in the NBA with Brogdon and Oladipo. Those guys are going to be able to lock people down. Uh, and then six, I have the Boston Celtics. Uh, that was a hard one for me to place them. I think Kemba Walker is really good. I think the Boston Celtics young core is the most overpraised 
group of players that have done nothing in NBA history. I think Brad Stevens is the most overpraised coach who's done really nothing in NBA history, in sports history, maybe. I think if Brad Stevens coached the Knicks, it would be, what's Brad Stevens done? But he coached the uh, mythical Celtics. So he gets all this ridiculous praise. Um, but I love Kemba Walker. So I do think they may even sneak up on a team and win a playoff series because of him. But uh, they're soft as baby shit inside. I mean, Ennis Cantor is going to start for them at center. So who's right. their backup? Right. I can't even get Taco is it Tice? It's Tice. Tice, it's and tight. then they've got the uh, the French guy who's who's uh, boys of Frank Milikina, Vincent Poirier. Who oh, right. I actually I actually kind of like him. I I wrote something uh, for B ball writers like a like maybe a month ago, and mm-hmm. basically just talked about the center depth there, which, like you said, it's kind of it's kind of scary. That's like their you know the biggest hole for right. them. Um, and you know, Cantor's such a bad defender. I think that French guy Poirier is going to actually end up getting some time at a certain point just because he's like a strong defender, can kind of, you know, rim run and rebound type stuff. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting um, seeing how Boston handles that that center depth. Could that be a, uh, a Steven Adams possible trade spot too? I could Maybe, see it. Like, if they could, if yeah. they, I mean, I don't, I don't know how the money and the salary yeah. would work and stuff yeah. like that. But I mean, if there's a team that's looking for a center that can, you know, that can play big minutes and play play playoff mm-hmm. minutes, possibly, I think he's a yeah. guy they can look at at least. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to think if they have anybody who makes any money, but I don't want to go down that road yeah, too much. That's, but that's, uh, it's a different story for. A different I'll get day. to yeah. I'll get to my seventh team. I have my, I have our mine and Danny's Orlando Magic. At seventh, because as much as I love them, I'm not absolutely insane about where they're going to be. Uh, And I do think that they will be better than they were last year. But uh, I think you guys are both saying the East is going to be better. So I think they'll probably struggle a little bit at the beginning. They are bringing back the same group pretty much. And I, I think a 7C would probably be good for them, to be honest. And, uh, but I think, I forget who on ESPN was talking about it. It might have been like, or no, it was on NBA TV. It was uh, Stan Van Gundy was saying on NBA TV that last year going to the playoffs and being like a surprise for them was, was all well and good to like the franchise and ownership and the fans, whatever. Now that's like not enough. Now they like expect to win a win a playoff series, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to pull that off. But mm-hmm. they do have good players, and obviously, I like Jonathan Isaac. I like Aaron Gordon. Vucevic is a stud. As usual, though, with the Orlando Magic, I'm not sure what the fuck is going on with their point guard situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you never are. They're always. They're just like the Knicks, man. They're always a disaster at the point guard spot. Yes. Well, it's Augustine is one of those veterans who's just you know what yeah. you're doing with him. Yeah. But I mean, it's uh, for them. I think, of DJ. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot. I of love them, DJ. Yeah, but, but you know, I mean, he's not any. Like, he's not an all star or anything like yeah, that. But, he is what he is. But I think a lot of it depends on is Markel Fultz going to actually be like a you know maybe obviously he I don't think we're 
we might ever see him as that like number one pick value, but will we ever see him as like a, you know, a, a competent, you know, above average starting NBA point guard. If he does that this year, you know, Orlando, who knows, but, but I, I agree with you. I think they're going to kind of flatline almost in that same, you know, first team to get bounced type thing, you know, from the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I think they if they really want to make a splash, they'll need to do so. Just make a move. They'll have to do like what the other small market teams who try and make a splash, like Utah traded for Mike Conley, mm-hmm. OKC traded for Paul George. They'll have to do something like that if they want to uh, take the next step. But anyway, I have my eight seed two. I have uh, the Miami Heat. I that was actually hard for me. I went back and forth. On that, I didn't really know who I was going to put. You guys were talking about Detroit. I actually, you guys might think I'm crazy too. I was actually considering the Bulls for a little while. They, if if you asked me, like right below Detroit, I I, I kind of thought about Chicago there. They've got yeah, they've got some talent. I, I mean, Marcus yeah. and Porter, Porter. Um, you know, they got they got a few they got a few guys there. The reason I the reason I came off them is because their point guard again. Their point guard spot is so uncertain. I don't think Chris Dunn's very good. I think their best, the best point guard on their roster is probably Kobe White. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to be the starter and rookie point guard. Always uncertain there. And there's just so much injury concern. Their two best players, they're Levine and Marketing. There's huge injury concerns there. Mm-hmm. And even, I guess, Porter is their third best player. He's got a bunch of injury history dating back to college. So there's a lot of injury problems there. And, yeah, so I couldn't pick them just because of that. Not that there isn't injury problems with the Pistons either. But, yeah, the the Pist- and the thing with the Pistons is they're just so dependent on Blake Griffin. Like, mm-hmm. everything. They just – I know they added D. Rose, but that's not enough to take the load. Everything run- – the offense runs through him. And it just – it's got to take a toll on him by the time yeah. the playoffs come. I mean, didn't he get hurt again in the playoffs this year? Yeah, he was he was struggling yeah. in that part. Not that they had yeah. much of a chance against. Yeah, Milwaukee, true, but, of course. But, but you know, I mean, it it would have helped to have him at full strength. Mm-hmm. Um, but one last thing, I'll just actually Matt will get a couple more of your thoughts, I guess. But one last thing, I just want to throw out because I'm glad no one mentioned the Hawks. Because I think in the middle oh, of the right, summer, the Hawks. in the middle yeah. of the summer, they were like one of those teams who everyone all of a sudden was like, the Hawks are going to be that that next surprise team. Which I'm just yeah, not buying. Why? Because yeah. I think they have a lot of young talent. Like you got Trey Young, Collins, Herder, um, all know, good players. They, yeah, they, good I players. love I love their young core and you know kind of like the direction they're going. But they're just not going to play enough defense. There's no way I can't like they're just never going to play enough defense. Yeah. To to be in that conversation, none but, of those guys guard. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just and I'm. I just wanted to say I'm glad that neither of you guys brought them right. up. Because yeah, yeah, that yeah. was one of those trendy things I've been seeing that I just maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? But I just I'm not buying it. Yeah, I agree. I, I've seen that myself a couple of times too with the Hawks, and they're going to be pretty good, pretty solid. But I agree. Right now, they're too young, too young to get there. And as you guys point out, they're they're not playing defense. And you got to play a little bit if you're going to make, you know, in the top eight here. I think they're going to get, you know, close to it. They might be in the mix as well. But I, I just think, again, too many young guys right now uh, to get them ahead. I know they still got Vince Carter playing 40-something <laughs> years old right there. But, um, 
yeah, not not quite that good to get over it. All right, so let's jump to the Western Conference here. And, Danny, we'll start with you again. Uh, tell me your eight teams in the Western Conference. I'm, I'm Not that I was, like, that confident in my Eastern Conference, but the Western is so tough. There's so it's many good tough. teams. So, so many good so teams tough. up at the top. Like, I'm all right. So I'm just going to say it and stick with it. I'm going Denver one because I think they're going to have kind of a lot to play for in the regular season. I think they're going to they're going to feel like they have to prove something in the way that the Lakers and the Clippers don't. So I'm going Denver one. I'm going Clippers two, Lakers three, (laughs) Golden State four, Houston five, Utah six. Portland seven, and I've been <clears throat> I've been big on the Porzingis Doncic duo recently. So I, I'm gonna that's my that my kind of sleeper pick. Dallas eight seed sneaking in. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. All right, it's, for me, it's just those first. I'm not to cut you yeah. off, but just those first seven teams. Like Portland, I put them at seven. I could have them as high as two. I think if they have you know like a really good year. It's yeah, just, you, you talked as well. I mean, there's yeah. so many. Of Everybody's going to be separated by a game or two. It's not going to yeah, be it's, right. It's it's going to be tough. I agree with you. Um, again, me and you are going to switch our, our one and two here. I have the Clippers one. I do, you know, you add Kawhi in the mix there. They still have a lot of the guys they had on that roster last year. They just have a lot of uh, depth already. Um, a lot of pieces around there. Of course, Paul George is going to be there. And I think it's going to take some time for those two stars to kind of figure out how to play with each other and all that. But they still have a core group. I got um, – and the defense is going to be insane. I mean, you put Paul mm-hmm. George and Kawhi Leonard on the court together, defense, and Patrick Beverly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you ain't scoring on them. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Clippers one, the Nuggets two. Three for me, I'm going to – slightly put the Houston Rockets here. Number four, I, I, I'm i still sick to my stomach. I haven't put my man LeBron on this list yet. He ain't going here. I'm going to put the Jazz at four. At five, I'm going to put the Lakers. At six, I'm going to put Golden State. Seven, I put the Trailblazers. And at eight, I will never put Perzingis in the playoffs because <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not even if I recognize they're, that's, that could be a very scary combo. But Porzingis doesn't exist to me anymore, um, so I wish him no playoff success. I don't want him to ever sniff it. Um, so I can't do that. But I do have them in the mix, I'll say that. Um, I have the Spurs. I don't think that streak ends yet. I know a lot of people feel – I've seen CBS actually put the Spurs right outside the playoffs. I'm not quite there yet to kick them out. I think they get the eighth seed. It would not – it's going to come down to the final week if they sneak in, though, in my opinion. Um, so I have the Spurs at eight, and that's how I'll wrap it up. All right. Well, this is kind of boring, actually, because me and Danny have the exact same top three. And the Nuggets, for the exact same reason, I have them at one, because I feel like they're going to try and win, like, 60 games, go off, and – they want home court in every series. And after the Clippers and Lakers made those moves, they feel like they're going to need home court because the Nuggets are as good as the Nuggets are and as talented as they are. They are essentially bringing back the exact same team that won a bunch of games last year. Now that exact same team did win a bunch of, a lot of games last year. And 
Jokic and Murray are young, so they're probably going to be even better next year. At least I think Jokic will be even better next year. Mm-hmm. He has he should be better next year. So I'm taking the Nuggets there. Uh, I'm also taking the Clippers second because I think that they will be slightly better than the Lakers. Uh, not necessarily because they'll finish better than them in, in the playoffs, but because I think Paul George and Kawhi Leonard will play more regular season games than LeBron James and Anthony Davis will together. Uh, I think you guys were saying like LeBron James, the Lakers, the Clippers don't really pay that much uh, attention to the regular season. I think that's going to be especially with uh, LeBron mm-hmm. now that he's getting older. I don't think the seeding is going to matter as much to him because if he's smart, I'm sure he realizes I'm LeBron James. Now I have Anthony Davis. It doesn't really matter where I'm playing. I can win and dominate. Uh, The fourth seed, the Houston Rockets. I'm a huge fan of uh, the the Westbrook-Harden pairing. I love James Harden. I love watching him piss off everybody on NBA Twitter. (laughs) I love when he dribbles the ball for 22 fucking seconds and then <laughs> and everyone goes crazy. I think it's hilarious. And there's like people at my people at my job who are like, "Yeah, imagine if you didn't get the calls. Imagine they're like counting out the amount of free throws and they're like, you know, if you didn't have 10 free throws a game, you'd average like 22 24 points a game or something." And I'm like, "Well, that's still a really good player, you know that, right?" <laughs> it's like he just pisses off people so much. I just love watching that. But I am a big fan of the Westbrook Harden thing. I think it's going to work out much like for we're talking about Kyrie before, right? How he wanted to go to Brooklyn and wanted to play with Kevin Durant. And he's friends with those guys. Want to play with DJ. He's friends with Karis LeVert. Russell Westbrook and James Harden have been friends since they were kids. They want to play with each other. James Harden didn't even like Chris Paul. Chris Paul was just like, we're playing together. And James Harden was like, all right, I guess we are. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, number five, I got the Jazz. Uh, They could finish higher. Like, Danny, I think you said they could finish second. I wouldn't be surprised by that either. They are loaded. And not enough people have talked about how loaded the Jazz are. And I might be disrespecting them by putting them here. But they got Bogdanovich. Is it Bogdanovich or Bogdanovich, the one they uh, got? Well, they got they they got um Boyan because they both they're both Bogdanovich, but they are Boy, both Boy, Bogdanovich. yeah. Boy Boyan Bogdanovich is Utah. Bogdan Bogdanovich is the uh, Kings Kings guy. He's a Kings guy. But okay. Yeah, they, they they don't make it easy on us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't. They really don't. No, but the adding uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. And Mike Conley and uh, Ed Davis was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought losing Derek Favors was a big loss for them. And then they added Davis. Now, and they added Bogdanovich's shooting. Uh, I think that when they lost Hayward, we felt like that was going to be a big step down for them. And they drafted Mitchell. They brought in some key acquisitions at they tried to bring in Conley last year, and Conley basically, it looked like nixed it with his agent, and they kept working at it and got him to come in. But uh, number six, 
I have the Warriors. I can't believe I'm putting yours this low. I, I, I that was the hardest one for me. I spent so much time working on this one through eight. The Warriors and Rockets, I think, were the hardest one. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, at one point, I had the Rockets first. I really did. That might sound crazy. I had the Rockets first. At one point, I had the Rockets first, and at one point, I had the Warriors third, as I was third. But I ended up with them six. Um, I think they are going to take some time getting used to playing without uh, not as much Kevin Durant because they are used to playing without him, but getting used to playing without Klay Thompson. I think that's going to be strange for Steph, but once they do get used to it, I still think they will win a lot of games and they'll be okay. And they may even steal a playoff series. And I really wouldn't imagine if they do finish six and you're like the Lakers and the three seed or something, you don't want to play the Warriors in the first round. What a terrible matchup that would be. <laughs> a disaster would happen. Anyway, I, the seven seed, I got the Blazers. Uh, I just, I know every single year, Every single year, they went to the Western Conference Finals last year. But every single year, everyone's like, oh, this is the year the Blazers are going to take a dip. I don't know. You know, they two point guards. They can't play defense. I, I, I'm looking at 538 here. I've been looking at that the whole day, the whole day pretty much. Mm-hmm. I love this site. And they got the Blazers finishing with the same record as the Pelicans, 41 and 41. So, 36% chance to make the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I I just don't see that. I think Dean Lillard is so good, and CJ McCollum is extremely underrated, and he just got paid, and I feel like he's not the kind of guy who's going to be like, fuck it, I got paid. He's the kind of guy who's going to be like, I got paid. That's going to motivate him to get even better. And those guys are so good together. And they're like friends with Whiteside. Everyone hates Hassan Whiteside, but Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum <laughs> are like friends with him. They like him. And when they get Nurkic back too, I, 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 they may even finish higher than seventh. I mean, I think, Danny, you said they could finish as high as like fourth or something when you were talking, right? Fourth or I, third or I, something. I think my, like my top seven, which Portland was my seventh, like I could mm-hmm. see that going any which way like i mean if dame has a mvp season portland could finish first you know i mean it's like I think yeah there's yeah so there's so much that can happen between those those top tier teams in the west because the other like the other thing golden state we kind of like a lot of people are dropping them in their in their uh you know their power rankings this year but what if steph curry goes back to you know unanimous mvp steph curry they could, you know, they could have a, another great season again. I mean, there's just that that top seven. I want to say in the in the West is just so strong to me. It's just so it's almost impossible to do these to do these, uh, you know, one through eights for me. That's the. Uh, I was going to say that later on too. If we were talking about MVPs, so I'll just say it now. The the best. Uh, MVP bet is probably Dame Lillard on DraftKings. He's 14 to 1. It's a mm-hmm. great value pick. Dame Lillard, 14 to 1. But uh, I'll get to my eighth seed is uh, the Spurs for the same reason that yeah. Matt said. I, I just would 
would not pick against the Spurs. I, for for that reason, and I'm looking at five videos right now, and the first eight games of hundred, and I just and I get that because they use their their formulas and stuff, and I love that stuff. And uh, I went back and forth on that one too, and I thought about the Mavs like you have, Danny, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was finally the year for the Spurs, and. Uh, I'd like to see the Pelicans in the playoffs instead because it'd be a lot more fun to watch Zion and Lonzo Ball. Finally, I just can't. Yeah, my. Th- I mean, uh, like I said, I kind of like. I wanted to do, be a little avant-garde and you know do a little mm-hmm. something outside the box. That's why I'm going with my Mavericks as an eight seed. Yeah, it's not a, that big of a risk, I know. Mm-hmm. But the Spurs were really tough for me to hold hold off. Um, I had the Kings there too, but I, I just I don't know oh, if they're the going to take yeah. another. They're going to take another jump. I had the Pelicans for the you know the same reasons you guys said. The thing with the Spurs for me was just that you know I I you guys know I watched you know almost every second of FIBA while it was going on yeah. in the World Cup, and you know Popovich. Obviously, I'm not blaming the whole thing on him. But maybe that's just coming in from FIBA. I have this, uh, you know, this sour taste in my mouth from from Popovich right there. But yeah, like there's just there's so many there's so many strong teams in the West. Um, you know, the ones I mentioned, and then also like usually the Suns are like a horrible team who's just an easy win. I don't. I mean, I think this year at least they're going to be. I don't. They're not going to compete for the playoffs. But I mean, you have Devin Booker, Ricky Rubio. Yeah, Aaron Baines, you know, eight and another year forward. I just T Wolves. I mean, you have Carl Anthony Towns, who's an All NBA type player. You know, the Grizzlies are young. OKC, they have Chris Paul and Stephen Adams. It's like there's just top to bottom in the West. It's always tough. I was I was waiting for someone else to say OKC because <laughs> I, I mean thought I, I was I, crazy. I'm, I think they're pro- they're probably going to blow it up at some point and you know yeah. retool. So I I don't feel confident throwing them up there. But like I mean, Chris Paul's still a good player. Stephen Adams, Shea Gilgis Alexander. It's just from like one to fifteen in the West is scary good because at yeah. least in the east, at least in the East you have you know Charlotte. Like we there's said, the cut Knicks, off. Yeah, there's yeah. a cut off in the East. The Knicks are going to be a little bit better. Like the Wizards are they have deal. There's some teams in the East you can beat up on. There's really no one in the West, unless I'm, you know, way off on the Suns or the Grizzlies are just terrible. But there's really just no off nights. I think the Grizzlies are going to be pretty bad. I don't think they're going to be Hornets, Wizards bad. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. John Morant should be pretty excited, but he ain't carrying them. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It might be a fun league-ass team, but, right. you know, not not – when you you think is going to make the playoffs, right? Um, yeah, but Danny, Danny, don't fall into the Ricky Rubio trap with the Suns, okay? You don't want to get burned on. He's he's okay. the best. He's the best point guard. He's the best point guard Devin Booker's ever played with, and it's not even close. They'll be they'll be all right. They'll I, be all right. He was playing with Isaiah the- Cannon at one point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. a stretch. <laughs> Anthony Melton, uh, who's Tyler Eulis. Like, he, this is Ricky Rubio is by far the best point guard he's ever played with. 
So, I mean, I think they'll take a step forward. But don't get me wrong, I'm not... I didn't even put them in my, like, on-the-cusp teams. Right. All right, so let's do this. We we fall off his hand with his right hand. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Matt, go ahead. It's all good, I I just... Rick Rubio's shot is disturbing. Like... (laughs) But, uh, what... You know, we have another week before the regular season starts. So let's leave it here with the predictions. And then next week we can go into it a little bit further where we actually could come up with Rookie of the Year, MVP, and actually have that a little bit more organized. The more I sit here and think, you know, I I think I have my MVP right now. But these other awards, I'm still kind of thinking through. So let's go ahead. Let's wrap this up today. This has been one of our longer episodes, but it's one of our bigger ones where we break down the entire season or at least try to. Um, but then next week, I think we can go ahead and, and finish up the predictions with uh, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year. We can get a little bit deeper with that. But uh, again, you know, if you listen to the podcast and think, you know, um, Chip is not crazy and believes that the Raptors can finish third or even up, let us know. You know, if you think, um, you know, the Knicks are in the playoffs, which I'm sure we probably will hear that. We'll hear them as a one seed by somebody who's dead serious and is not kidding. Um, Ron Artest? <laughs> something along <laughs> the some, That will happen. Let us know. You can get in contact with us and uh, our Twitter account at MYKSOM Podcast. Also, our Facebook page, the Knicks State of Mind Podcast, and join in the conversation. So, we appreciate our guests joining us today. And uh, we'll be back next week for another episode of the Knicks State of Mind Podcast.